eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. You yes. know what I was thinking last night? Uh-oh. What? Wouldn't it be fun if we were sisters? <laughs> I, we are kind of sisters if you think about, well, it's a brotherhood. It's the same thing, but we have six balls and three dicks. No, but we'd go and we'd sit in our little straw beds and we'd braid each other hair and ask questions. You don't questions. have any hair. No, I mean, my back has hair. Okay, we could do, we could just do that now and call ourselves brothers. We sit and talk about it. No, but it's more fun when you're wearing like the long like kind of night dresses and you sit there and you just like think about wondering if like... Like, will Crispin come back from the war? And then maybe, you know, and, and maybe Marcus will go, <coughs> we're like, what's wrong, Marcus? Marcus, you I believe, Uh-oh. I believe I've come across a bit of the consumption, boys. Oh, you know, no. What will I ever do without my sister? Maybe, <laughs> maybe father will allow you to wear his war coat. Just for one moment, this Christmas. Oh, what's that telegram? Dad is dead. Oh, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the last podcast on the... Benjamina. Yep, sorry. Oh, who will I be allowed to marry now? I don't know. Yeah, Dad died. They said it was a friendly fire. Apparently, he was super annoying. He kept on talking about his daughters. Oh, no. Dad's friends is going to come to the home and choose each one of us to marry and we'll be... Separate. Well, indeed, much like the Chihuahua, sometimes separation is good. Okay. I lo- By the way, Jerry, he's a beagle Chihuahua. He's getting more Chihuahua every day. And I say, Chihuahua out! Like an exorcist. Okay. So, although, you know what I say about the Chihuahua? The Chihuahua is the salt of dogs. Every dog should have a little Chihuahua, but not too much Chihuahua. You've hijacked the whole beginning of the show. Yep. <laughs> All right, everyone, well, why is everybody talking about sisters? Because today we are talking about a pair, a duo, a demonic duo, the murderous madness of the twins, Erickson. Ursula and Sabina Erickson were identical Swedish twins who, in 2008, simultaneously lost their minds during a bizarre and mysterious trip to the UK that ended with a case of cold-blooded murder. Now, this story has fascinated me for a number of years because there used to, there was a documentary that came out in 2011 when I first saw it called Madness in the Fast Lane huh. that was on BBC a bunch of years ago and we, we, you gotta watch it you gotta watch it yeah. but this story is fascinating I love that title cool 
Now, we may not have known about this story at all had part of the twins' breakdown not been caught on camera during the filming of a UK reality show called Traffic Cops, which is actually a lot more exciting than it sounds. Really? <laughs> I would rather watch a documentary called Window Washers or Port Boys. My father was a traffic cop, and a lot of traffic cops involve, I mean, most of it involves just sitting and watching accidents happen going, that's going to take a lot to clean up. That, yeah, I wish I wasn't so drunk for today. I didn't know there was going to be an accident. No, it's traffic. Like, there's car chases. Like, there, it's oh. it's kind of like an approximation of uh, real stories of the highway patrol. Very Like, cool. that's what the traffic cops are in UK. But one of the traffic cops, it's, it seems in the UK, why are all the traffic cops like nanas? <laughs> well, they look like aunts and aunties. Like, it's a lot of, like, ladies that you think would make a really nice, like, sweet bar. Well, they'll also yell at you if you're driving too fast. I actually think all traffic cops should be no younger than 50 and should all be women. <laughs> See, that's brave. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. in the UK, like, I mean, actually, cops are trained in hand-to-hand combat a lot more than they're trained here. I would rather fight an American cop who was unarmed over a cop from the UK any day of the week. Whoa, weird. That's, that's a very controversial statement because I don't know if, I don't believe in anybody's that dangerous if they called jujitsu jujitsu. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but thankfully, our officers don't have to use hand-to-hand combat. They don't have to. <laughs> they don't have to. They have all their weapons from the military. <laughs> yeah, like fat Batmans. <laughs> but since the most bizarre part of the breakdown was caught in full by a reality show camera crew, we are all now able to witness the incident as it unfolded that day on the side of a busy motorway near the city of Stoke-on-Kent. It involved delusional proclamations, multiple assaults on police officers, and the seemingly impossible survivals of both Erickson twins after they were separately hit by vehicles during the fracas, which were all incidents that the twins themselves set in motion. You might be wondering, how did we get here? (laughs) (laughs) They walked. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) Then, the day after the incident on the motorway, one of those twins, still obviously suffering from some sort of psychosis, murdered a good (gasps) Samaritan who was only trying to help. I tell you what, if he was a good Samaritan, he would have survived. Well, technically, he was kind of an average Samaritan because, (laughs) you know, his skill set wasn't up to par. Well, I think he (laughs) sacrificed the most any Samaritan can sacrifice, so I'd say he's a great Samaritan. Thank you for saving us. Mm? (laughs) Now, this story is wrapped in multiple mysteries, and the more you learn, the more questions arise. Stripped down to its core, however, this is a story of -of out-of-control mental illness, but of an entirely different kind than what we've ever covered. You know, to be honest, I actually think out-of-control mental illness is better than in-control mental illness because then you get Jeff Bezos. When it's in control, it's very focused and it ruins everything. Out of control, it's kind of like buckshot. So yeah, you're going to get hit a little bit, but as we know from Dick Cheney's friend, you can survive a lot of pellets. Especially if Bezos, which is just a sniper to your brain. The big thing about getting a lot of pellets is you also have to be able to keep a secret. Like how you can keep the pellets inside of you. But we are actually really good examples of three people with in-control mental Mental illness, technically. Laser focused in control mental illness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was not a slow burn of warning signs, ignored diagnoses, and willful ignorance. Rather, this is the story of an explosion fueled by a rare psychiatric syndrome known as folie à deux. Folie à deux. Folie à deux. Which translates to English as a madness for two. 
in Madness for two. That's adorable. Oh my god, this is the greatest Valentine's Day of all time. I can't believe you brought me to Alice in Wonderland themed restaurant. Yes. Now it's time to shit our pants and tell the world how Barack Obama's trying to make me menstruate. Oh my, this is a crazy place. But it's, you know, double insanity. This is one of the weirdest, like... Because it's also, it's kind of pulled out of the left hip pocket by psychiatrists a lot of times trying to figure out why, like, mothers and sisters kill people sporadically. Sure. Um, this is one of those, and it's a very specific thing. It kind of does fall down into the world of, like, it's it's mother-daughters and sister-sister. Which is very interesting because there would be a great episode of Tea and Tamara. Of oh, them, I just love like that show. Fucking dirty bathrobes on the street talking about how fucking there are gremlins at the Walmart. <laughs> That's a sh- that's the reboot right there. Now we'll get into the full story of the Erickson twins here in a bit. But before we do, let's fully explain just how a madness for two works. And we're also going to go into a few other examples of the phenomenon in which criminal activity was the result. Madness for Two is a shared psychosis in which delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one person to another. Hmm. Usually, this happens when the two sufferers are socially or physically isolated, overly stressed, or, in the case of the twins, extraordinarily close. Hmm. In fact, from the cases I've seen, Madness for Two happens almost exclusively in families or in people who are already in familiar relationships, like close friends or marriages. There's like mini cults that are a little bit more intense because it's not just like conscious thought. It's somehow two people or more get together and then they all begin to either get the delusions downloaded into them by an aggressor or everybody kind of spontaneously jumps onto the crazy bandwagon together. Oh, yeah, all right. There's always one person up top. There's always a primary with all of this that for some reason everybody else uh, joins in on. And those other people, like most of the time, have no past history of mental illness in any way whatsoever. They just happen to catch it. It's contagious psychosis. Interesting. Now, these delusions can take a couple of different forms. In bizarre delusions, a person might believe something impossible, claiming, for example, that a team of surgeons are sneaking into the room every night to swap out their organs without waking them up. Well, that would be an amazing team of surgeons, and you would have to imagine they're little mice. <laughs> that it would be cuter that way, but I don't think that they, they don't take into account how difficult it is to schedule a surgery. Yes. How difficult it is to actually see a surgeon in any way, shape, or form, especially in America. Just the idea of getting a consultation is very difficult. What they have just, what they have just fantasized about is great health care. <laughs> I would love that if you could have everything removed, replaced overnight, and just boom, boom, wake up boom, like, boom. I didn't even notice. <laughs> then, there are non-bizarre delusions, things that are unlikely, but still possible. In this case, a person might believe that the FBI is stalking them, even if the FBI has absolutely no reason to pay any attention to this person. But that's still a possibility. It is a possibility. Yeah, it depends on what you say on the internet. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But no matter the severity of the delusions, the phenomenon seems to follow a pattern. Usually there is a dominant personality known as the primary who is suffering a delusion of some sort. And there's the submissive personality, the secondary, who's the one who joins in. And once that second person joins in, a feedback loop of delusion begins, which only increases in severity, especially if the people involved are stressed and isolated from others socially or physically. 
also make sure to check me out. I'm actually uh, I'm doing a guest spot on Loop of Delusion on OANN. <laughs> oh, on, I uh, love Loop Wednesday. of Delusion. OANN. Yeah, you should check <laughs> yes. me out. On, it's great. I'm talking all about how. Never go near the sewers. Don't go near <laughs> the sewers. Never go near the sewers. Well, now you've gotten. Wow, this actually did work because have you seen the Las Vegas sewer map of disappearing people? How it connects right to the sewers. That is what hundred <laughs> percent true, and that is a great example of how it works. But that is real. Check out the sewer no, map of Las Vegas. The sewer map of uh, the sewer map of disappearances is to me in the same world as the smiley face murderers, where that I don't, I don't fully get it. Where it's just drownings that happen near smiley face stickers. <laughs> it was spray paint. Yeah, it's very freaky. Very it's very, very strange. Smiley freaky. face killer, by the way, I believe to be a cop. Believed to be a cop. Mm. They mm-hmm. don't know. It doesn't don't even. Know. Say, they don't even know if they're connected. Mm. Okay. With a fully, with a fully loop of delusion creates a second feedback loop. Only a Texan could ruin the French language like that. God, dude, I got no wow. fucking clue. I've been practicing all week long. <laughs> like I've been Fair practicing. Idea. Like I get like. And I listen to the fucking YouTube uh, <laughs> the pronunciations. I'm like, Fule a like, I don't know how to fucking do it, man. I ain't you got the mouth so for it. You can do so many accents. <laughs> okay. Also, um, do you think that when they were recording, do you think GNR ever had one pedal that they called the loop of delusion? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to save that loop of delusion. No, I've been very mad at GNR because every time it comes up, I'm like, it's that war. They have a horrible song. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, the second feedback loop, the more the delusions increase in severity, the more stressed the sufferers become, and they become more paranoid, which socially isolates them even more. But sometimes, folie à deux can develop in a pair of seemingly sane human beings who are simply introduced into a stressful, isolating situation. Take, for example, the murder of David Coughlin. This story fucked up. Now, in full disclosure, I found this story in a Reddit thread about the Erickson sisters in a comment posted by the host of a podcast that, as far as I can tell, no longer exists. But even so, I'd still like to acknowledge that source. Now, in 1999, David Coughlin and his best friend, Rafi Kodikian, mm-hmm. were taking a road trip from Boston to California when they decided to embark on a days-long hike through Rattlesnake Canyon in southern New Mexico near Carlsbad Caverns. This is sort of like when Nat and I had a little anniversary trip up to Big Bear, and I had this idea of we should hike. And You and, had that idea. Yeah, I was like, because, oh, people hike. I see this all the time. I see pictures of people hiking. I was like, we should do it. So Nat and I were like, okay. And then we went to like the hiking place and we both realized um, we don't have proper shoes for hiking. No. Air Maxes. <laughs> um, we had no water. Right. We had no snacks. Nat's just like in her like her nice workout gear. I'm just in jeans and shit. Sure. And then we realized um, we had nothing to hike. With. No, like we had none of the tools. We had none of the shit. Literally cut to the bears hiding behind the bushes, just being like, "I hope those two fucking city slickers come into my woods." Ooh, we have lunch for days. But apparently, it takes a lot to hike. Yeah, yeah it's of course, super no. hard to hike. I didn't no. know. Yeah, me and Caroline are like experienced hikers, and we still almost died in the Appalachian Mountains. I just don't do that. Don't hike. <laughs> you, just, you just yelled at me for gambling. I spent very little money gambling. And then you know what you can't for gambling? Do? You know what I you can't get... do in a casino? Die of dehydration. Because all I they mean. do is give you drinks. That's opposite. Is that you do you are drinking, but you're not getting hydrated. Uh, something's happening. I'm going to the bathroom a lot. I also didn't yell at you for gambling at all and didn't even mention your specific gambling in any way whatsoever. Hmm. Well, I, I'm bringing it up. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Somebody got triggered. 
<laughs> well, these two guys, after hiking for a few days, they got lost and somewhat dehydrated. They'd only brought three pints of water and one pint of Gatorade for a days-long hike through the desert, and they'd already used a whole pint of their water to boil hot dogs during their first campout. Number one, you're camped out, you cook them over a fire. Number two, you can eat raw hot dogs, they're already cooked. Number three, can't you just drink... The hot dog water. Ugh. They threw it out after they boiled the hot dogs. Honestly, these what guys are, are that is wrong. How they did that was wrong. What are you doing? You're just, I know that. You just are going to pour hot dog water out. Doesn't that make coyotes track you? But I, I also, the coyotes idea of, do not attack human beings. They're terrified of us. Yes. No kidding. All right. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, now I'm going to go pet one. Drinking <laughs> hot dog water, I ugh, I think I might rather die of dehydration. I don't know. There's sometimes when I think <laughs> about how, like, that's a good like, little fat boy thing. Hot dog water popsicles. Ugh. <laughs> it's an idea. Pussy pops. <laughs> Why would you call them? Anyway, all right. Yeah, p- pussy pops, the hot dog flavored popsicle. Get out of the shark tank. Just get. How did you get on the show? But even though the human body can go three to four days without water, these two guys panicked the moment their reserves ran out. They started licking rocks eating cactus fruits, and even started drinking their own urine after only a day. They wanted to do that. I mean, they wanted to. They saw Bear Grylls, and they're like, I want that life. Then when David Coughlin began vomiting the next night, the panic truly set in. Both of them thought that Coughlin was nearing death, so the two hastily entered into a murder pact followed possibly by a suicide. Coughlin begged his friend to kill him then and there, and Kodikian, in the throes of a madness for two, obliged him by stabbing his best friend twice in the chest. He then buried Coughlin under a pile of rocks and waited to die himself. But when he was found by park rangers not too long after, it was discovered that Kodikian was only moderately to severely dehydrated and nowhere near close to death. In fact, Kodikian had buried his friend using rocks weighing up to 70 pounds, which would have been impossible for someone on death's door. Oh, God, I'm just so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. Huh? God, I'm so thirsty. You know what I need? Yeah. I need a quick pump. Let me get my twist. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> One, two, three, four, oh, five, yeah. six. Oh, yeah, you are thirsty. Eight. I'm oh, getting God. thirsty, too, speaking of yeah, that. Uh, wait a second. I need a little pump. Let me get my little... I got my... I actually... I brought my weight machine with me. Oh, the big yeah, yeah. Machine. I'm getting thirsty. <laughs> uh, two, it's all about lightweight. You want to do lightweight, a lot of reps. Let's yeah. Take it down. Yeah. I'm so thirsty. As far as David Coughlin went, while he was dehydrated when he died... It wasn't anywhere near fatal. As it turned out, Coughlin had vomited not from severe dehydration, but rather because the unripe cactus fruit he'd eaten hadn't agreed with his stomach. Mm. The two men had nearly fallen into a madness for two, and their paranoia resulted in an entirely unnecessary, yet still requested, mercy killing. Kodikian pled guilty to second-degree murder, and the court, thankfully recognizing the extenuating circumstances, sentenced him to a two-year sentence and five years probation. And a lifetime supply of Pedialyte. (laughs) Now, this is actually kind of nice of the jury to do that. Yeah, yeah. As far as John Coughlin's family went, they released a statement saying that even though they had questions, they did not believe that Rafi Kodikian acted with malicious intent when he killed their son. 
they were very, wow. very close friends. And so at the time, there's something Ugh. about being isolated that adds to it. And their fear, like there, there was something about, because neither one of them, it seemed from my research, had a history of mental illness no. in any way, shape or form. It sounds like they just went out to the desert and the freak out was so intense and so quick that they just lost all bearing of reality. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes a folie à deux can become a folie à trois or quatre or even a folie en famille. Oh, yeah. I remember that scene in JFK. Oliver Stone JFK. Remember that? Mm, really, really hot. Folie à quatre. Check out when John Candy was having all the ass sex. John Candy was not in that, John Candy was not in that scene. That was that not is- John Candy. I don't know how many times I have to tell you two fuckers that John Candy was not in the orgy scene. Get the net. 83 more times to get the net. 83 more times to tell us. But that's, that's, the, uh, that's that Mandela effect. Who's, who's getting made love to in that? It's the Tommy, Lee jo- Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, Jones and Two-Face. Kevin Bacon. Those were the ones. They were the ones in the orgy scene. Kevin Dressed Bacon. up as two British pops. Yeah. Kevin Bacon has got a hog, by the way. I think that's why his last name is Bacon. You see his... Oh, yeah. He's got a huge dick. Huge dick. Or is he just very tiny? We could he's talk short. about this all day. <laughs> and well, the jacked. Ma- yes. Well, the madness of families was the case with the Trump family in Australia just four years ago. With the Trumps, the madness began with the patriarch, Mark Trump, aged 51. Trump and his wife, Jacoba, ran a successful berry farm on the outskirts of Melbourne with their three adult children, all in their 20s. Oh, my goodness. And all was going well until Mark began suffering from stress and paranoia. I can't how I can't imagine just how much pressure there is in the world of berries. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you imagine you go out there the to the gnomes, fields trying to build homes out of your out of your wares. You got all of the mischievous orphans. Yeah. St- running from the chain gang to go steal berries. <laughs> to eat from you got the magic rabbits living down in the burrows underneath that's just got to mean all these people coming from and then never mind the jews well <laughs> i don't know what that means but i was uh i was picturing uh, i was picturing a field full of dudes named barry isn't that kind of funny too if you think about it like that well, Mark Trump had convinced himself that someone was going to come and kill the entire family on their farm for the simple purpose of stealing their money. And his personal psychosis soon spread to his wife and eventually two of their three children. It was a highly successful berry farm. It sounds like they were worried that the Bernstein bears were going to come and eat all their food and then live in their house. They did think that, honestly. But that's that's where madness to me becomes truly like scary. Obviously, when it's something that cartoonish, because they started to believe that people they didn't were going believe to, that the Bernstein bears no, were coming. No, but it's like it's along those lines. They thought that other families from other farms were going to run from their homes and attack them within their own homes for their berries. Okay. They thought their berries were in danger and then it became like the scene in The Jerk when all the, the cans <laughs> started exploding. It's like, we got to get away from the cans. Like, they realized this is a berry-centered problem. We are up to our fucking eyebrows and berries and we got to get away from them. Well, it would be kind of fun if there was a peanut farm nearby and then there was a big tornado and the berries got picked up with the peanuts and then it created a jelly and a peanut butter mix and then that could go in and be a great kind of a mixture if you think about a commercial. That is just yeah. a commercial. <laughs> an, an, you just an picture a commercial. commercial. What was a commercial with, the, with the, the peanut butter and the jelly in the same jar? Yeah, I, it's squeezables. I never bought it. Hmm. 
Glad we got to this point. <laughs> Never bought it. Peak what? of human laziness. That's a Brian Regan bit. Yeah. Well, one night, very suddenly, the Tromps loaded into their car with their adult children in a panic and fled their farm, leaving behind passports, credit cards, and cell phones in an attempt to go off the grid. Apparently, oh according to Mark Tromp, the attack was imminent. The only one who brought their phone was middle child Mitchell, who was the only member of the five-person family who had not succumbed to the madness. And he'd only gone on the trip to make sure everyone else was okay. It's always like in wow. every, like the monsters had the normal child. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing where it's just like one not crazy child who's just being like, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and bring my phone. Okay? <laughs> because God. it just seems like, I mean, obviously this is kind of fun. I haven't seen mom and dad this passionate in a long time. Mm-hmm. I actually nice. kind of like saw them kiss on the mouth for the first time wow. in like a year and they're kind of talking. So maybe there's something about this little family that is like making everybody like come together like it's a Christmas miracle. Sure. So I'll ride with it yeah. for a while. But the Trumps only made it about 20 miles from home before the whole family was screaming at Mitchell to throw his cell phone out the window because uh, they were convinced someone was using it to track them. Well, that probably was happening, to be fair. Oh, yeah, you don't need, <laughs> you don't need to have chips in the vaccines. You have a phone. In your <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. All throughout that night, the Tromps drove almost 500 miles to escape their imaginary pursuers. But at 7 a.m. the next day, Mitchell decided he couldn't take it anymore, and he separated from the group, taking multiple trains to get back home. Have you ever been a part of a family vacation so bad that you could just imagine just being like, I'm just getting on the fucking bus. <laughs> this is done. Just like, I don't want to be in Orlando anymore. Well, um, when, when I know I'm 12, and I'm not really certain how the rail system works, but I'm out because dad just fucking, he pushed me in front of Aladdin. Yeah, you know what I mean? That happened one year in, in, in Orlando. He pushed me in front of Orlando. I know, pushed me in front of Orlando, of Aladdin. Well, why? Because he said that I should have been trying harder to get an autograph. From Aladdin? Oh, yes. he pushed you towards Aladdin. Yes. Okay, Does he that's, know that that, that's, that's not... different from pushing you in front of Aladdin. He's pushing you towards Aladdin. But Aladdin was there. <laughs> right. And I had to be embarrassed in front of technically the coolest rogue in the Disney catalog. <laughs> wow. That's a strange autograph to get. Yeah, yeah that's weird. So d- did people do that at Disney parks? They ask for autographs from the characters? Of course. And, and the other phenomena that I don't like is when they say like, Kiss Mickey and tell him that you love him. Tell him you love him. And then you have to like kiss some like weird. God knows what's inside the cat. God knows. Who knows? I love you. And you hear like muffled. Roll over too. (laughs) Well, later that morning after Mitchell left, his two sisters peeled off from the group as well at a tourist spot called the Janolin Caves. They escaped the situation by stealing a car and they went and filed a missing persons report on their parents. After making the report, the sisters separated as well. One drove the stolen car back home, while the other, still under the spell of Feli Athemil, climbed into the bed of a truck where she wasn't discovered until the driver had traveled for almost an hour. That is so scary. It's really scary, and this is one of these things about this syndrome that I find interesting, is that for some reason, it makes people scatter. Yeah, like there's it's at weird. some point in the illness, they or whatever the 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 I, I want to say scenario like, like I don't know how to describe it, like an episode, 
people just become like rabbits and start running in various directions, which we'll see with the Erickson twins very famously. But it's it this happens in all of these stories where they 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 go into plans like it's a bunch of like it's a bunch of meth heads yeah. doing a it, bunch of weird afternoon activities. Well, if they scattered like a bunch of rabbits, they would hop, Henry. You fucking idiot! <laughs> fucking, you fucking idiot! I fucking hit you in the head with a crowbar. They would hop if they sleep. scattered like rabbits. You, sleep you so fucking sleep, moron! You sleep so fucking deep, I could kill you. No one even know. Anyone even, even suspect me? Rabbits. <laughs> Well, not only do they scatter, but sometimes when they're separated, they go catatonic because that's what happened with this girl. The girl who was in the back of the truck, in the bed of the truck, when she was found, she was unable to say even her own name. It took months in a mental hospital for her to regain her faculties. It broke her. Wow. Now, it's at this point that the media got involved. Once Mitchell Trump went on TV asking for help, officials began an interstate search for the for his obviously mentally ill parents, who by this point had gone from a madness of family to madness for two. Oh, oh my Romantic. Goodness. They're getting the <laughs> swerve back. It is kind of nice. And I'm very happy that truck driver who found that catatonic woman in the back of his truck wasn't like the nefarious star of the movie Overboard who took that woman and made her the mother <laughs> of his children. Do you remember that movie Overboard? Yeah, she Overboard. goes Overboard. Oh, yeah, that that's movie right. is about kidnapping. Oh, wow. <laughs> it is a sinister yeah. movie. It really is. <laughs> but on Wednesday, Jacoba and Mark separated in a town called Wangarada. We're all stopping in Wangarata. We are always stopping in Wangarata. I want to share. Well, Jacoba was found the next day over 200 miles away, agitated and wandering about. But Mark had stayed in town. For six days, Mark hid out, possibly breaking into various businesses around town, until he was finally found on the side of the road near Wangarata Airport. When police drove him away, he defiantly flipped the bird to nearby photographers because at this point, the Trump family's misadventure had become a national obsession. Well, I remember we we <laughs> I read the story when it first came out and because it was before we were doing side stories, but yeah. it would have definitely been a side story story. But I remember reading it and at first not fully understanding, but I had known about the Erickson twins and mm-hmm. the, the, the first seeing like this idea of like, uh oh. Daddy's crazy, and I and I, thought, yeah. in a, in a, I wonder in a way as a family, like if Daddy goes crazy, almost like survival instinct would make you kind of go crazy too. Because if Daddy's crazy yeah. and no one else is crazy, that's how we get like a DeSalvo, even though that's technically like the son is crazy, you know, one else is crazy. But that's like how you get a family annihilator. Yeah. yeah. Later, however, Mark Trump fully and publicly admitted that he just had a massive meltdown. And he just said, sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) If I see one more jar of jelly, if I see one (laughs) more berry. I just got to get out there and I got to say I'm sorry I overreacted. Uh, I honestly should have worked out some kind of treaty with the uh, magical rabbits in my berry farm in order to give them some so they could leave some of the extra berries alone. I should have done some of that. And uh, I definitely should have had a negotiation with the Jews. Yeah, that is, it does seem like you've been going on some websites, uh, which perhaps has led to your mental breakdown as well. Well, all of this had come from a buildup of normal, everyday stressors, and these stressors had settled into a madness for family feedback loop. Now, the stories of the Tromps and David Coughlin involved close friends and spouses, but some of the most intense episodes of Furly Adieu occurs in Twins. 
This was certainly the case with the Gibbon sisters of Wales, also known as the Silent Twins. Identical in both appearance and behavior, June and Jennifer Gibbons were born in 1963 to immigrant parents from Barbados who had settled in the United Kingdom. Now, it was obvious that there was something different about the girls from the very beginning. When they began speaking, they communicated in a cold, metallic tone using a language that was indecipherable to anyone but them. That's why it'd be cool if we were three identical twins. We all <laughs> yeah. shared the same belly and we shared the same food for mommy. And then when we came out, we all could have like our own secret I think you mean you want to be conjoined. No, I never want to <laughs> well, experience we, your day to day. How would we share the same belly then? No, we'd be inside it because we were triplets. Oh, you want to be inside of a belly with Marcus and myself. Swimming. <laughs> swimming and eating so underneath mommy's boobies. This year has been hard on everybody. This has been a hard year for a lot of people. I just need to use my imagination in different ways. Yeah, you definitely do. Well, concerning the speech of the Gibbons twins, when a speech therapist recorded what was being said and slowed it down considerably, it was discovered that they were actually speaking Beijing Creole extraordinarily fast, faster than anyone but them could process. Think about how crazy wow. that is to like sit with the with the twins and record them speaking, and then it's just like them going like very intense, metallic, like you can't understand. And then they just put it on the radio and they slow it down. They're like, "You want some bread? I'll take some bread." And you're like, "That's so weird." <laughs> Bullied for being both strange and for being the only black children in their small Welsh town, Jennifer and June began speaking to nobody but each other. And if communication was necessary, they'd write notes. But their madness of two seems to be extraordinarily long term. It was theorized that Jennifer, seemingly the less intelligent of the two, controlled June through subtle facial tics and body language, making Jennifer the primary. Wow, that's cool. That's what we have to wonder. Master Blaster, was Blaster not in charge of Master? We just will never know. <laughs> I think that is what they're saying. Yeah. These twins also defined codependency. This is another story of catatonia. When their parents tried separating them by sending the girls to different boarding schools, they both went completely catatonic and seemed not only unwilling, but unable to communicate until they were reunited. And I think this huh. will, you will see a, a stripe of this in the Erickson twins story as well, where there's something about pulling them apart huh. either makes them go canatonic or something like it kind of breaks the spell for a little bit. Something happens and then they come back together. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. Once back together, the Gibbon sisters began writing novels set in a bizarre, almost dystopian version of 1950s America. One novel was Pepsi Cola Addict, which was about a teenager who drank 300 cans of Pepsi a day while improbably living in a tenement house in Malibu. Oh, that's called a TikTok influencer. Absolutely. <laughs> but this is actually an incredible, I mean, I love that concept. Yeah. And how was, was all, the, how was the novel? Oh, uh, it's... Uh, very difficult to read. Very, very few copies uh, exist of it. Uh, it's scattered. Uh, all of their novels were scatter scattered. Between they let's, dozens let's do of they wrote dozens of novels, plays, thousands of pages of diaries. A spectrum. Let's just do. Um, let's do uh, Dianetics and David Ike <laughs> on the spectrum of David Ike's. The greatest. David Ike surprisingly is very. Uh, no, it is, is not easy to read. The greatest. The it's greatest not easy answer to read, or whatever. But it has a flow. Dianetics is a con man tapping. 
like eat as fast as humanly possible. So that's my <laughs> that's more of like an improv lecture. That's what I would call that. So this yeah. is closer to Dianetics. It's it's fiction. I mean, th- this is a hundred percent fiction. This is closer to the Battlefield Earth. Oh. Yeah, which also I want to read, but it's got a flow. And it's yeah. about leverage. I yeah. know it is. Well, the Gibbons, I mean, they had some cool ideas. They had another novel called The Pugilist. That was about a physician who kills the family dog for its heart so he can transplant the organ into his child. Except the dog's spirit survives the operation and the child dog kills the father in revenge. That's fucking awesome. No, that's the shaggy dog. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a it's good It's the reboot. shaggy dog Do with, the, the, with the murder at the end. That's fucking killer. I'm just saying that's not that unique of an idea. No, I'm not saying it's unique. I'm saying it's great. But when the literary world ignored the Gibbon sisters, and when they self-published Pepsi-Cola Addict through a vanity press to no acclaim, the then-teenage twins turned to rapidly escalating juvenile delinquency. Cool. It, it began with shoplifting, drinking, and sniffing glue. Oh yeah, but that <laughs> the, but, the trifecta of cool. Yeah, <laughs> but that soon graduated to breaking and entering, and eventually the attempted arson of a public building. <sighs> After being arrested, however, they were grossly oversentenced to an indefinite stay at the infamous. Broadmoor Criminal Lunatic Asylum. Yeah, they didn't need that. that you didn't need to do that to them. They They're could also just... they could call it something nicer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Gibbon sisters did not deserve to be in there uh, because no. listen to some of the people that they shared grounds with during their ten years at Broadmoor. They were there with Peter Sutcliffe. Uh, they were there with psychopathic gang leader Ronnie Cray, mm. and they were there with Charles Bronson, aka Britain's most violent prisoner. Yeah, it sounds like they really need. Kind of like an art sponsor, <laughs> more than anything. I feel like yeah. they could have been like a Basquiat. They could have been used. They could have not. I mean, used. But that's what you could say. That what happens vaguely with Basquiat. But you could also. They could have been supported and have been encouraged to write and Pat- do things. They needed a patron. Yes, I'm yeah. at this level of quarantine where I've been taking self quizzes, mostly BuzzFeed, but also some ser- like what serial killer would you be based on your sign? And apparently, I'm Carl Panzram. He's huh. cancer. He's a cancer. Very emotional, very smart, but also don't cross him. So, I just, I don't know what to do with you. That's <laughs> what I was, they called me Carl Panzeram in the, in the survey. Well, you're the lo- hugest ant to ever live. I've been, and also, I, I found out what Christmas movie I am, Home Alone. You are Home Alone. That's what Buzz said. I can see that. I can see that. I can, yeah, I can so, see that. And I can see mo- you booby-trapping your home for no one. Carl Panzeram stars in Home Alone, and I'm Carl Panzeram. This is this is becoming a last podcast fan fiction. I love it. <laughs> well, even besides the people who are actually there with the Gibbon sisters, there was also Robert Maudsley, who five years previous to their arrival had killed a child molester in Broadmoor with a fellow patient named David Cheeseman oh. by shoving a spoon into the molester's ear after nine hours of torture. That's Whoa. when he. That's that fucking sounds like Arkham Asylum. And yes. Cheeseman is. <laughs> Just fucking treat the duties as like as uh, as soft as a wheel of brie. I will oh. steep my mighty spoon into your cheese brain. I love the cheese puns, cheese man. In other words, Broadsmore probably wasn't the best place for a couple of girls who'd broken into a few buildings and set a few things on fire. No. It was, however, obvious that their crimes and their isolation had been escalating, egged on by Jennifer, who is said to be the evil twin. Hmm. Ooh. After 10 years in Broadmoor, though, 
just as the twins were about to be moved to a lower security facility, Jennifer died of a sudden inflammation of the heart at the age of 29. Apparently, the twins had decided that for one to live freely, the other had to die. Uh-oh. But to this day, no one knows how that inflammation of the heart occurred. Jennifer had agreed to die. But no drugs were present in the corpse, there was no sign of foul play, and she had no history of cardiac problems. And this is not something that happened like 1895. I think this was 1993. This is like when your Mimu and Papu die within like two days of each other. Like Johnny, well, no, Johnny Cash did not die uh, right after June, but close after. It was a few months. Yeah, Yeah. it was less than six months, I think. I also found out when I was doing my searches that you can actually die of a broken heart. Because did the, you Google, the blood vessels? Did you <laughs> so they really are you the saddest man that has ever lived? No, did you I sit alone in your dog. house <laughs> and type in, can you die yes. of a broken heart yes, into that's Google? I know this. And it actually tears the tissue. You fuck. <laughs> that's folklore. No, it's, it's actually folklore. real. No, it's actually real. You truly can die of a broken heart. Well, sure enough, after Jennifer Gibbons died... June, long thought to be the secondary, began speaking and continues to live a relatively normal, if supervised, life in Wales. Wow. 27 years after her sister mysteriously set her free. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You bet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. To the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay! Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers! My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And, oh, they love their life and they love the, They love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why 
as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Now, that story has somewhat of a happy ending, or at the very least, nobody died that didn't want to die. But the same cannot be said of our main subjects today, Ursula and Sabina Erickson. Now, Ursula and Sabina already sounds like, like fucking trouble. I love the, I, I honestly love the name Ursula and Sabina. I yeah, I love them. those names. Yeah. yeah. Ursula and Sabina were identical twins born in a small town in Sweden in 1967. Raised with an older sister named Mona and an older brother named Bjorn, little is known about their childhood other than the fact that they had no mental health issues or any run-ins with the law. I bought a book that I thought was going to, because Ursula and Sabina Erickson's story, this story has like a couple of, I finally found like the conspiracy theory vein that I thought was going to talk about like MK Ultra and that they were Manchurian candidates. Mm. And it doesn't. Oh. It's the worst. It's one of the worst books I've ever purchased. It's called The Madness Shared by Two, read, uh, written by David Kahn, who was a, in a private investigator uh, who wanted to get into the, the things that were a little fishy. About this story, um, which uh, turns out it, the only thing that was fishy was the fact that Ursula and Sabina were a little weird and did yeah. things a little differently, um, <laughs> as we'll discover. Uh, the, and that's when he couldn't get it. He couldn't understand that anybody could be weird enough to do any of the things that they did. But the hmm. one tidbit that I he glean I gleaned from the book was about them as teenagers. That he doesn't know if it's rumor or not. But that Ursula and it's Sabina. It's not a tidbit, it's just rumor. We'll find out. It's a tidbit, though. It's a tidbit. But he's, one uh, story from someone who grew up with them was that Ursula and Sabina were known as, like, kind of a terrible twosome in high school, and that they would, like, bully people, and that uh, Sabina was, like, a super punk, like, had the crazy hair before anybody else did in town. Sure. And it was just, like, them just, like, chain smoking and calling people fat. I was like, that's kind of fun. I like those girls. Sabina, don't cross them. I wouldn't mess with them. No. So they were just mean. But of course, this is also the type of guy that, you know, hears that and is like, so you knew that they had a future exactly. of criminality ahead. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah. This is also the same guy who wrote a book called Immigration, Immigration, Immigration. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, it's not about, it's that's not a cry of love for immigration. You know no. what I mean? He's not like so excited it's happening. No, ironically, no. it's all no. about foreign policy. Very strange. <laughs> oh, wow. Very 
very strange title. So that's an anti-book uh, recommendation. Oh, yeah, yes. dude. So I, I, hours of my life wasted. Very yeah. rare. Nothing very, to help in the episode. I don't think we've ever done that before. Very mm. rare. Oh, no, it happens quite often. <laughs> well, we, you, you usually don't scream about it. So much. Sometimes I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, in the year 2000, both sisters decided to leave Sweden for separate destinations. Ursula came here to the United States, while Sabina moved to County Cork in Ireland. And whilst in Ireland, she met a partner and had two children. Now, the two sisters stayed in touch through social media and would speak to each other on the phone at least once a day, but they went years without seeing each other in person. But that all changed on May 18th, 2008, when the two sisters were in their late 30s. I look for so much information on this period of their of their lives, and I couldn't find jack shit, which is the, I mean, the ultimate thing about Fidel is that the madness is private. It really oh, is yeah. this, like, it becomes the separate little bubble. That's why it it feels like a two-person cult. Like, they, they kind of came back together after not seeing for years, and what everybody said was that they then became inseparable, where they, they were, like, almost scared to leave each other. Hmm. Yeah. But, of course, that was only for one day, because this shit got out of hand at a spectacularly fast pace Damn. for reasons unknown to anybody and the other thing the reason why we don't know a whole lot about ursula uh and sabina is because they're both uh, extraordinarily private people uh never spoken about any of this sabina will refuse to speak about any of this she, it was no comment no comment no comment we have no clue what their interior thoughts were which is you it's kind of interesting how many times you, you'll see and we talk about on the show all the time about how the only way we know the inner lives a lot of the perpetrators of these crimes is because they talk after the fact right. and they are and then we find out whether or not then we kind of have to adjudicate whether or not they're full of shit right. or they're building their myth or are they actually telling the truth i think it's kind of refreshing that she doesn't want to that she doesn't want to talk it's kind of nice actually now it's argued that the primary in this case of madness for two was ursula at the time she suffered from a rare psychiatric disorder in which she could hear voices but couldn't understand what they were saying ah uh, yes like when you're in the mcdonald's drive-thru <laughs> no i want to eat chicken chicken i want the travis scott meal <laughs> you're a duck can you order the travis scott meal yeah it's not what do you mean we're I mean, not like in north korea it. it's not plastic food i you mean just, it is plastic you just call it the travis scott meal that's what it's called the travis scott meal oh I don't it's know. like the michael jordan meal they had back in the early 90s hmm. Now, this is just speculation on my part, but I think it's possible that the two sisters began interpreting these voices together, creating a bizarre fantasy world in which they were being pursued by persons and for reasons unknown. I do huh. believe that Sabina might have had some drug use in the past. It sounds like she might have been into some shit. When she was living in Ireland, but I don't think that excuses because they said we that all she, have drug use. But in who the, said, in the, did did the did the guy who wrote the book is he was he the one that said that? No, I saw a couple of things because they're wondering how they go fucking so crazy so fast. Well, that yeah. is that was the great chapter in that book. It was all about how immigration uh, is bringing <laughs> drugs into our twins, <laughs> our twins, <laughs> our twins and twins. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder, you know, it, it just uh, it just seems that there, there something was happening. Something must have spurred something that kind of became conspiratorial very fast. I don't know. Maybe something I'm must have happened. 
Well, remember they talked on the phone to each other almost every single day. Uh, so if there was something going on, if there was some sort of buildup, then it very well could have started in those daily conversations. And remember yeah. in the case of uh, David Coughlin, uh, that happened within a matter of days. And they were, you know, they were still pretty close. And, you know, and in the matter of the Trumps as well, like that was also something that escalated pretty quickly. So wow. if they were, if they had just uh, gotten together, if they hadn't ta- spoken to each other in years and years then you know maybe there would be other um factors at play here extenuating circumstances circumstances. but i think because they talked with each other on the phone every day i think the phone conversations actually led to the visit which led to the madness okay now once ursula showed up in ireland the twins refused to leave each other's side and from reports sabina and her husband got into an argument the first night ursula was there although we don't know what the argument was about What we do know is that after the argument, Sabina clandestinely packed a bag for a trip and the two sisters left the house in the middle of the night without telling Sabina's husband or her two children where they were going. Well, Sabina's husband did say the line and you guys can infer what it means. It doesn't matter that you're sisters. Who cares? Just pretend you guys are friends and we can go into the room. And it doesn't. No one cares. It doesn't matter. I've seen it on video. Remember the Barbie twins? They were super hot. They were twins, right? It doesn't matter. Just listen to me, babe. You guys are Swedish. Right, right. It's like you guys kisters, are one person. Sisters question sisters kiss in Sweden every day. Kisters, baby. Kisters. Well, as it turned out, the sisters had taken the overnight ferry to Liverpool and had arrived on the shores of England at 8.30 a.m. the day after Ursula arrived back in the British Isles. Within less than 24 hours, the madness for two had taken a hold in both sisters. It must have been the plan. That they were going to do this, but they also then didn't have a lot of a plan because mm. then they showed up and then they just wandered around for about 36 hours. I don't know if they had a plan or if they I don't I, know. or if there was something that because I mean, OK, so I mean, that's the, the that's the thing about this whole case is that like with every single little thing uh, that they do, you kind of have to question what is their motivation behind that. But you hmm. also have to remember that they're both suffering from bizarre delusions. So yeah. there really is no logic to anything that they're doing. There's but a they, there's an internal logic. There's an internal makes, logic that makes sense to the two of them. But, yeah. you know, internal logic on bizarre delusions is fucking indecipherable. But that's the only reason why that's the only thing i mean as a plan is that they had some harebrained scheme yeah this is how it's going to go down and we're going to talk a little bit about what they thought in in a second now upon exiting the ferry the sisters immediately went to a police station and reported that sabina's children back in ireland were in danger but wouldn't say why they traveled out of ireland to report the crime nor would they say what the danger was one interesting thing that came from the book was apparently when they were in the lobby for the police when they were waiting to hear them like they went they filed their report because number one it was weird because the cops were like why didn't you file this report in ireland where you live Uh, why why did you come to another country to report this and so while they sat and they were kind of figuring that shit out somebody walked into the lobby while they were waiting and Sabina had a full on fucking meltdown like they did a full like like a weird twin meltdown Whoa. at this random person that walked in that crab they were like people. They, crab <laughs> people it feels like crab they, people. they start the, the this thing of their that they're being hunted wow 
Once the police left the women alone to conduct actual investigations, Sabina and Ursula snuck out of the police station and boarded a bus heading from Liverpool to London at 11.30 a.m. again for reasons unknown. Now, once the twins got on the bus, the other passengers noticed that something was a bit off. Both sisters were nervous and both clutched their bags as if their lives depended on it, refusing to stow them in the luggage compartments overhead for any reason. I don't know if these are like an American Greyhound, but do you have any idea how messed up you have to be to be noticeably strange on a bus? On a bus? <laughs> because you, you have people with like the, like holding a puppet that is their mother's head. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. You just have so many different folks. I, I thought a bus driver's job was to be both blind and able to only see the road. Yeah, Ben, do you remember when we took that Greyhound bus uh, from New York down to Washington, D.C. and the woman oh. behind us spent the entire trip practicing Practicing what she was going to say to Hillary Clinton when she got there. Wow. Well, she had a lot to say. Uh, <laughs> she's right there. You know what I mean, she's she's not in the White House, but she might be somewhere in Washington D.C. Oh man. <laughs> Well, the bus driver noticed the erratic behavior as well. And when he pulled over at one of those charming British motorway rest stops, mm. he told the twins that he'd have to search their bags for illegal items if they wanted to continue the journey. The twins naturally refused, so the bus driver left them behind. On his way out, though, he informed the manager of the service station that there were two identical twins out in the parking lot acting suspiciously, erratically, and quite possibly criminally. Well, they were so... But you're the manager of this service station. Don't you just want to be like... Then get them the fuck out of here. No, you just <laughs> Remember that when they were on your bus and you just dropped them off in my rest station? No, they always have one Nanu cop there that's like waiting and he's got to come up and be like, all right then, let's see, let's get to have a bit of four. what's going on here, right then. But the two girls were in, they were dressed, it's not suspiciously, they look like, kind of like soccer moms. Yeah. But like all zipped up, like very smooth, like soccer mom, like visors, but pulled real low. Soccer and mom's the, on the run. The fucking mm. big olds, the big like kind of like parkas zipped all the way up to the top of their throats. And then they're holding their bags above their breasts. Like if you see it, the CCTV footage of them just like scurrying around like two, like, they look like cartoon burglars. <laughs> <laughs> well, once the bus was gone, the manager took a look for herself and saw the twins clutching their bags to their chest while having an intense conversation. Manager said that she couldn't hear the content, but it looked to her like they were plotting something. Mm. She wanted them to be plotting something because then she could be an action hero. <laughs> well, not wanting to risk the possibility of some bizarre terrorist attack, the manager called the police. But when officials arrived and spoke with the sisters, they said the Ericsons seemed normal, even happy. Which we see evidence of. In the documentary where mm -hmm. they kind of flip all of a sudden there's like, oh, they're just like normal ladies and they're just f joking and talking like right. everything's cool. So how much of that psychosis is taking over? Because it seems like if they can flip from normal to plotting, then they must be aware. Uh, there is it's what they're aware of is their paranoia. They're aware that somebody is out to get them. So uh. what they're doing is they are changing their behavior in order to continue the delusion. They are lost I in see. a delusion. So yeah. if they speak to a cop, then they they're gonna are act like nothing's wrong they're, because they're going to act like nothing's wrong because they have to get away. I and see. Also, they are now folding the cops into their delusion and mm -hmm. saying that they are now also being persecuted by people. In again, not cops, 
humans in cop uniforms. That's mm-hmm. like a hook that becomes thing. I mean, like, oh, you're just wearing a uniform. That doesn't make you a cop. Like, you get into this whole world where, like, you're actually right, and then blows my mind. Semantically, <laughs> you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, the object is not its name. Well, <laughs> but I do, you know, uniforms do matter. If I see a pilot and he's not a real pilot and he's in pilot clothes, then it's scary if he's not a real pilot. It is very scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they were happy and nice, the cops just gave him a phone number for the bus company so they could be collected by the next coach to London. Now, later, the sister's older brother, Bjorn, would say that his sisters were running away from, quote unquote, maniacs. But nobody has been able to spot anyone approaching them or following them on any of the CCTV footage captured that day. This was the center of their... Uh, hallucination is that it believed that they were being attacked essentially and stalked by groups of people oh, that were looking to sexually assault them they mm-hmm. thought that there was huh. and they thought that they were running from place to place and this essentially a, a it, it sounds like it's very targeted individual talk because they thought a whole community of people were, were trying to kill them Interesting. But spurred on by the delusion that their brother weakly defends, the Erickson twins inexplicably took off on foot down the median of the M6 motorway. And that's when the chaos truly began. Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some chai, Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of chai, and it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST. 24 for 20% off at texaspeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, You can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with 
horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Now, in the UK, it's illegal to walk down the center median of a motorway. So when a CCTV operator saw two women walking between two busy multi-lane roads in the middle of heavy afternoon traffic, he called the police. But before the police even showed up, Sabina and Ursula, for some reason, decided to cross three lanes of heavy motorway traffic from the median to the shoulder. On the way, Sabina was grazed by a compact car traveling about 50 miles an hour and suffered minor injuries, but otherwise they got across okay. It was like the school in stunt woman acting because she got, she rolled away from it, but she just like, I don't know how to describe it. They casually step into oncoming traffic as if they are just crossing the street. They do look like hurried, like as they are looking, because we watched that CCTV footage, you see them like kind of looking around and shit and obviously, but then they just kind of make the left and walk into traffic. I do love this new psych, uh, psychological breakdown of the game Frogger. And I, (laughs) I can't wait for them to come out with crazy Frogger. Why is he doing what he does? Frogger. Now, the car that got the call from dispatch that day just so happened to be shadowed by a camera crew filming an episode of Traffic Cops. And it's for this reason that we know exactly how this whole conflict went down. Do you think of Traffic Cops, when they are bored, they go to like some kind of like crumpet store? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that they do. Crumpets suck. Crumpets aren't bad. You ever had one? Yeah. When have you had a crumpet? When I went to get the crumpet at the crumpet stop. <laughs> I'm sure I've had a crumpet. I don't know. They're but dry and they suck. Okay. <laughs> now I don't have enough evidence to make my argument. So fine. I've been going and buying a bunch of meat pies at Miles of Kiswick oh. here in uh, here in New York City. Yeah, it's a wonderful British food store. Wow. Is he the only one? Yeah. 
Yeah, but he, because there's also Italian food, Chinese food, <laughs> no, Thai like, food. There's just so cuisine, every other cuisine. Yeah. Well, when police arrived to where the sisters were located, Ursula and Sabina were calmly standing on the shoulder smoking cigarettes. So the cops didn't really think that this was going to be that big of a deal. But what happened next points even stronger to the possibility that Ursula was indeed the primary sufferer of delusion here, hmm. and that Sabina was the secondary, merely following her sister's fantasy. See, when the cops arrived, the sisters were pretty affable, just chatting and smoking. In fact, Sabina in particular seemed particularly harmless while wearing a yellow visor that appropriately said, Time to believe. And it's really strange in the documentary. They really are just, because they have the footage from the episode of Traffic Cops, and they're just hanging out. It's real normal, just talking to the police, no problems. But very suddenly, and without warning, Ursula bolted straight into oncoming traffic. The officer speaking to her tried grabbing a hold of her jacket, but Ursula wrenched herself free and dove straight under the back wheels of a moving semi. Seconds later, Sabina, mirroring her sister perfectly, did the exact same thing and was almost immediately struck by a Volkswagen Polo going about 40 miles an hour. She smashed into the windshield, put a large dent where the windshield met the roof, and fell limply to the asphalt. Oh my god. And the cops immediately sprung into action and found that while Sabina was unconscious, Ursula was somehow not only still alive after going under the wheels of a semi, she was actually speaking. Miraculously, the semi had only crushed her legs. But when police tried helping her, all she would do was spit and scream at anyone offering assistance, telling them that she recognized them all and that none of them were real. Been there. Yeah, we've all been there. It's hard, man, when you are dealing because they're desperately trying to help these women. Yeah, right. Because Ursula's trying to get up, and she has two broken legs. Her legs are now they are baked ziti. They are no longer legs, and she's trying to like get up like it's no problem. And they're just pushing her down, and eventually, like kind of like you know, they're desperately trying to help her, but they're also like just having to like pin her to the asphalt, right? As she's struggling. And they're constantly trying to cover in those foil blankets, those foil fold-out blankets. They're yeah. t- just trying to cover it, cover in this thing over and over again. And she's just not having any of it. You got to sell it like she's a baked potato. You're yeah. a potato. <laughs> You're a potato. <laughs> Have fun with it. While she was completely broken from the waist down, she was nearly animalistic from the waist up, clawing at any officer who came near her while calling them either fucking assholes or bitch asses. Nice. Bitch ass was her particular favorite. <laughs> yeah. I kind of nice. like that. Though. It's one of those like if you're Swedish and then you kind of get into like one American phrase. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. You're just like, <laughs> I like this one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but this wasn't anywhere near the end of it. 15 minutes later, Sabina came to, and even though she had just been hit by a car, she seemed completely unfazed and continued mirroring Ursula's behavior. She just popped up. What? She just got up. Like, I have no... She took a full-on hit from a car. She rolled over the hood, right. and then she gets up, and, and she's fucking going into boxing stance. She starts, like, <laughs> moving her feet. They're trying to surround her and shit. I mean, she's just like, can't hold me. Can't catch me. And they were stealing pigs. They were totally sober. No drugs in the system. We'll get into that in okay. a second. Well, a female officer tried calming Sabine, but Auntie she started... Nanu. Yeah. <laughs> 
But she started screaming about how they were all trying to steal her organs. Trying to steal my organs? Oh, don't do that. She then stood up, punched an officer, and ran into moving traffic on the other side of the motorway, yelling about how the police weren't real. Whoa! Ain't none of y'all real, dude. Oh my goodness. She fucking keyed into the secret, man. We're all fucking constructs, dude. <laughs> Just, but she, um, the shot that she gave that cop looked like she must have taken a boxing class or something. Because the cop was there like, alright, alright, let's get all gathered up then. And she did one of those, like, hip shots where she like she cracked it and from underneath she went bap just like hit her in the jaw and you just watch her whole fucking neck just snap around where she she's just like not expecting to get fucking cold cock wow. in the middle of the highway yeah falling like nate robinson did that was a nice Ooh, that was, nice was shot. brutal yeah indeed well thankfully sabine wasn't hit again by another car but when a police officer tried chasing after sabina settled into a full combat Ooh. pose Ooh bouncing around like she was in the middle of a boxing match instead of the active motorway where she was then standing. Way to square and circle, bitch! Whoa! <laughs> now remember, most cops in the UK are not armed because had this happened in America, there is no doubt that guns <laughs> would have been drawn the moment Sabina struck an officer, if so not they, before. They, they mostly kick uh, when they have to. Uh, <laughs> why? What is happening Let's here? Let's just stop the Let's show. just done. Mm-mm. Done with it. Wow. But since yeah, this is, but yes, to that point, cops would have shot her nineteen times. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is also she would have on the fucking highway. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one time that I would actually say it would have been really good for them to have tasers. At least <laughs> be a taser. We can, we can compromise with a taser. But since this was the UK and their cops rely more on hand-to-hand combat, citizens in their car on the motorway had to get out to assist in the arrest of Sabina Erickson because the two cops attempting to do so just weren't cutting it it took six people to take sabina erickson down including two grown men that sabina was waving around like fucking ragdolls it was it is wild to see the strength at which sabina fought everybody like you i was like it is they could not get her she was snapping like a fucking boa constrictor like she was doing the full body waves like fucking gators do and they Mm -hmm. had her by the arms but it took all of these i mean you know and it was a lot of big apple there's a lot of big adam's apples going on it was a lot of weak bones it is the uk (laughs) and so you do see them kind of struggling a little bit they do there are they are a little anemic well absolutely i mean honestly this all could have been solved with one redneck. Like if one just American redneck showed up, just be like, I got the lasso. Like they, they yeah. are good for something. You know, rugby people over there are big. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And just because we're a skinny people doesn't mean we're fucking weak. I'm well, strong and skinny. No, I mean, by definition, it would mean that you were weaker than somebody no, we're who wasn't. wiry. We're wiry people. What would we're you skinny, do to Sabina? Seemingly skinny, but very strong. How would you pin Sabina? I wouldn't. It would take five other of me to do it. I say it's better to do it the old-fashioned way. Give her, you know, maybe take her on the town and explain to her about jazz. So you're so lonely that you're going to take this opportunity to hit on this woman who's having a mental breakdown in the middle of the highway. Okay. Once they got her zip tied on the ground, she started screaming for someone to call the police and eventually settled into screaming, fuck you, over and over and over again, as is evidenced by this clip from traffic cops that eventually made it to air. We all the- no, let go! Why'd you do this? Why'd you do it? Why? Watch it, boy. I still love you. Why? 
Oh, Roll a forward. Come on. Oh, that. Roll oh, over. Fuck you, guys. Fuck you. Fuck out. Are you going to carry us off? Yep. Me. It is still too civil for American cops. That would be on the chopping floor. They would be like, yeah, that's just not, yeah, that's not enough. Is there another llama that's escaped from the zoo that we can put in this segment? Finally, paramedics arrived and sedated her on the scene, which was the only way anyone was getting Sabina off the motorway. Mysteriously, when they checked the sisters' bags, they found that they were carrying multiple cell phones, a laptop, and only one passport. That's the other weird that they try to point towards that there was some kind of they were involved in some kind of bullshit because of the multiple cell phones uh-huh. and all of the technology that they were carrying like all. Of the, but I mean, did any of it, it means nothing. Did any of it work or connect? They, was it they just left it all behind? OK. Now, after the incident on the highway, both sisters were taken to the hospital. While both of Ursula's legs were crushed, Sabina seemed to be just fine, despite the fact that she'd been grazed by one car and full-on hit by another. Jeez. Can you imagine if you and your brother decided to just fucking go ape shit? Like, you and Charlie, Marcus, just decided to go fucking <laughs> well, that's scary. Don't highway. even say that. But then, like, you know, you're fine. You no, know, Charlie's, like, hurt in the hospital, but you're fine. And then that first moment you see each other and go, like, Hell yeah, bro. Fucking stick it to the cops. You know, you just fucking do that fucking Lord of the Rings, like handshake each other and you grab each other by the forearms. That'd be cool as hell. I'm scared yeah, yeah. of Charlie. Charlie used to hate me, but now he now he can stand me. Which That's is, a big get. Yeah, it's a pretty good thing. <laughs> Well, after Sabina was checked out and blood was drawn, she was taken. No, no, that's Thomas. Charlie's oh, always Thomas, loved you. Oh, yeah. Charlie. Oh, oh, Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, he'll well, still- fuck him. No, 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 I'm just joking, Thomas. I'm just joking, Thomas. Thomas, I love you. God, you're my favorite. You're my favorite Parks. <laughs> wow. Well, wow. Wow. That's amazing wow. how you flipped like that from me so to my fast. brother. Just for out of fear. I wish you were Thomas. <laughs> well, after Sabina was checked out and blood was drawn, she was taken to the police station on charges of assaulting a police officer and trespassing on the motorway. And Sabina Erickson was booked. Now, as I'm sure many of you are guessing, British police assumed that this whole incident was the result of a drug trip gone bad. Probably yeah. PCP or something similar. Yeah. But when both women were tested for narcotics... They were a hundred percent clean and that no make, drugs oh. were in their possession. Yeah. It makes it so much scarier. It's the same thing that we learned with the guy in Miami that ate the other dude's face. Oh and yeah. And they said mm. there was no, the toxicology report came back as negative. That makes that it so That was just so an idea horrifying. on a Wednesday. That was just yeah. a normal, like <laughs> oh he my just God. came up with that on the fly. Like you said, you know, actually after I eat that guy's face, I should make a pine cone Christmas tree. Why not? <laughs> God, Erratic that's behavior. Yeah. Furthermore, Sabina seemed completely normal at booking and was even kind of flirty with the officers. Yeah, she was kind of fun. Yeah. She did, however, make a cryptic comment. She said, quote, We say in Sweden that an accident rarely comes alone. Usually at least one more follows, maybe two. That's scary. Yeah. Now, naturally, one might think that a rigorous mental health check was in order here. And uh-huh. one of the myths of this story is that Sabina Erickson was given no checks whatsoever. People say that in the press over and over again. She actually was, but perhaps wasn't given as many checks as she should have. Oh. It's hard because it seems that when the bubble was popped and her and her sister were no longer together, she kind of became normal 
in a way, because she was kind of away from the the pull of her sister's whatever it was that was was getting her in there. Yeah. But then I start to think. Well, this also is a weird tactic because it kind of continues to feed into the delusion that yeah. she can't let the cops know what's really going on because if they did, they would steal her organs. <laughs> yeah. And remember, you know, the from the incident on the motorway, like especially if you watch the uh, footage, like they go from calmly talking you know they've got their they've got one elbow resting on their hand they've got their cigarette up next to their face they're very calmly very very european uh and then five seconds later they're bolting into traffic and screaming and spitting at officers it just fucking it goes from calmness to aggression on fucking dime love a passionate woman well the producer of this damn traffic cop show is definitely happy as hell yeah because the rest of this is all just about how Oh no, there's a goose on the parking lot. <laughs> oh. oh no, yeah. there's a carriage of milk that was left out by the whiskey mills. That's you gotta, horrible. You gotta watch some traffic cops, man. I was watching some of it earlier today and it's fucking intense. Really? It's okay, crazy. Good. I'll yeah. watch it. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, do the a British Marcus- are a highly violent people. Cool. I'm gonna do a Marcus <laughs> Parks theme Sunday. I'm gonna listen to hot pipes, gonna get my organ music <laughs> okay, in, then I'll watch my British uh, shows, and I will eat a meat pie in your honor good sir hell yeah have, that's you know what i think you're gonna come out of that sunday feeling like a hundred dollars uh-huh and then it'll show up here and i'll be pulling teeth out of my skull and i'll be like oh, yes i'm british <laughs> i've only lost three teeth not bad <laughs> i mean you're not a toddler so you don't get like an applause or anything but remember before the show we were talking about the chili eating competition and there was that one woman that couldn't compete at the end because she couldn't eat fast enough because yeah. she had British teeth and they were like sideways and she couldn't chew and she blamed it all on her British teeth because she said she couldn't chew the, chew the peppers fast enough just quick side note if you do want to go down the chili rabbit hole Netflix has a great series on the chili competition we are the champions the Carolina mm-hmm. Reaper is the weakest of all the peppers that these people eat and it goes crazy so yes enjoy that well Sabina Erickson was seen on four separate occasions during her day in booking she was seen by a police surgeon, a a consultant psychiatrist, and a suitably qualified social worker. All of them were satisfied that there was no sign of immediate psychological illness. That said, they had no access to the footage of what happened on the motorway because the crew from traffic cops had already gone home, completely satisfied that they'd captured the most insane goddamn thing reality TV had ever seen. Oh, yeah, dude. It was what a good get. But, but with, also, zero, with zero concern of the footage itself, well, don't they think the cops should have had that? Well, it was before, the, I mean, you know, no, this it's TV. Like, yeah. TV, no, TV gets it first. Okay. Then they give it to evidence <laughs> if they want oh, to. I see. All right. Also, yeah, reality show producers also aren't necessarily known for their fucking ethics. Yeah, yeah. That's true. They were arrested quote unquote arrested under a thing called the 1983 mental health act which is this idea that then you're kind of allowed to the the get to put you in safety i think we in america we have a thing called the baker act that used to be i don't know if it's a thing anymore well that's a you, florida thing yeah where you can baker act somebody in florida where you can kind of you can put them in into a, a, a mental health facility against their will for their betterment, right? This idea that you can call the police and do this. And they were arrested kind of underneath this umbrella. So they were treated, you know, in the UK, they do this thing where, like, I honestly, we think that they're total, they're fucking rubes for it. They have this thing called, like, kindness. And they use a oh, thing called, like, kindness. trying to, like, create a sense of well, rehabilitation. Why would you just put them in prison for a long time? No, 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 no. They don't understand. That's how it's done. You gotta make them worse. Huh. 
Um, but they were very, uh, they were trying to be kind of lenient with them and saying that they were uh, in an episode of some kind of mental illness. As soon as the, the blood reports came back, that they did not have drugs in their system. Right. Like, oh, obviously, they're a couple of bags short of a fucking English lunch. So now we have to, like, <laughs> treat them different. You can't just make up cliches. That's what I did. Well, the people examining them, instead of seeing the whole picture, they were given a very narrow set of legal questions with which to ascertain Sabina's condition. Those questions were, is the person fit to be interviewed? Is the person fit to be charged? And is the person fit to be taken to court? And since Sabina had calmed down considerably, the answer to all three questions was yes. So the next day, she was interviewed, charged with her crimes, taken to court, and sentenced to one day in jail, which she had already served. So it's one day in get jail. Out of here. Yeah, one buddy. day in jail is something that we do not even have close to an option of. I mean, no. when you're drunk and you're when you're driving around in Wisconsin. Oh, oh, they'll put you away for much longer than one day. But if they know you, <laughs> assaulting a police officer, she would have yeah. been denied bail. She would have been sentenced to twenty five to life. Oh yeah, she popped. <laughs> she punched Auntie Rita so hard yeah. it snapped her fucking big old British head around. Oh. Now, there are a couple of possible reasons why Sabina Erickson appeared like she just had a moment on the motorway. Because as one police officer put it, being odd isn't a crime with which one can be charged. Hmm. But it was the punching of the officer. Also, being <laughs> being an odd isn't a crime with one can't be charged is actually the tagline for my new show, uh, Weirdo in the Neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> you can't be charged, that. by the way. Well, I'm a, I play the naked mailman. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely be charged for delivering that package. Well, firstly, examiners in these situations effectively have only a snapshot of the patient. And in those snapshots, madness like Sabina's can be missed. Secondly, Sabina was sedated at the scene. And while sedation doesn't cure psychosis, it certainly takes off the edge. They legitimately had to... They had to drug her like she was a water buffalo that they were taking into the zoo. They put her, because that's how my dad, but you know, back in the day, that's how they used to do it. My dad said when somebody used to get really wild and woolly back in the day, the main thing to really calm them down is that you used to put anklets on them and you put them in a big burlap sack. That's what you're doing. You that's put them in a van, do, yeah. right? You put them in a van and you let them chill out and have a nap. In that little bag. Suffocate to death, perhaps. It's not all the time. They open it up. They give you a little snorkel. Nice. I'm not certain if they do that. No. But for her, they they laid her down in a tarp, and then they had to drop a line in her. Just to knock her completely out, just to put her in the car to transport her. Because they take you to a place of safety for for a mental health call. Perhaps the biggest reason, though, is that Sabina was, again, most likely paranoid about the people examining her. And in her state of mind, she wouldn't have shared her paranoid beliefs with the people that might be in on it, whatever it was. So, the day after the madness on the motorway, Sabina was released out into the streets of an English city called Stoke-on-Trent, wearing her sister's green jacket and carrying a thousand pounds in cash and a laptop in a green plastic bag. I think the cops did a massive disservice to that community. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did. Maybe I would have put an alert out and be like, crazy bitch coming your way. Crazy bitch (laughs) coming your way. Send her to a mental health facility. Put a big bell on her. Yeah, just something to let the community know that Yeah, things are going to get shaken up around Um, here. Stoke-on-Trent wasn't actually even just famous for this story. They're actually famous for a film that uh, a documentary shot there called Stroke-on-Trent, which involves a whole community. So you got bored reading the book. Is that what you're telling us? 
Well, Sabina had no idea where she was or any idea where she was going. But most interestingly, she hadn't once asked anyone in the hospital or anyone at the police station about her sister, Ursula. In my mind, she's being conspiratorially quiet. Like yeah. she doesn't want them to even think about her sister. She's not trying to implicate her sister in anything that's going on, knowing that wherever they're going to go, they're going to link back up after this. Right. Sabina simply wandered the streets of Stoke-on-Trent alone, possibly looking for the hospital, possibly just lost in a haze of psychosis. At 7 p.m., though, she came upon two local men who are out walking a dog. One of these men was 54-year-old Glenn Hollinshead, a self-employed welder, paramedic, and former Royal Air Force captain who is said to be, by all who knew him, a kind, generous, and helpful individual to anyone who needed it. It seems to be like the picture of the nice man from an English town that is genuinely just believes that everyone is good. Yes. I also love the duality of a welder and a paramedic, where it's like, <laughs> we will make sure your bones stay together. You won't be able to move very well. No, but I'll make you <laughs> the tin man, but an alive <laughs> tin man. Absolutely. Now, when Sabina commented on Glenn's dog, he and his friend Peter Malloy stopped and started a conversation. Sabina asked if there was a good bed and breakfast nearby. And when she was informed that there wasn't, Glenn offered his own place instead. It's just the kind of guy he was. Oh, he's too nice. Now, Peter was immediately put off by Sabina, whom he said was acting nervous, constantly looking over her shoulder. It's just a random woman you're meeting from the highway that has a laptop in a bag that is <laughs> like dirty from sleeping in a police station. You, you might be good to be a little bit suspicious. Yeah. yeah. But when Glenn offered her a bed, she relaxed and all three walked back to Glenn's house. Sabina did mention on the walk back that she was trying to locate her sister in the hospital, but she neglected to mention anything about what had transpired the day before, and neither Glenn nor Peter could pry out any details. And the turnaround for traffic cops, like, they couldn't watch that show that night, right? Oh, no, they got to edit it. They had to edit it, yeah. Yeah. So they didn't know. That would be so freaking scary. Oh, yeah. Once they got back to Glenn's, the three of them started drinking. And while Sabina seemed open and warm most of the time, she'd grow cold if they asked her about her sister or what she was doing in England. She also wouldn't stop peering out of the window from behind the curtains. And at one point, she gave Peter and Glenn cigarettes before snatching them away again, telling the men that the cigarettes might have been poisoned. Well, Again, it's a cigarette. Which didn't really make any sense because she was smoking from that pack that whole night. It just seems like Swedish flirting. <laughs> Maybe. And, and cigarettes are poisoned. Mm-hmm. They Every are. cigarette they is are. poisoned. It Take is it true. from me. I drink a bottle of whiskey a night. Hey, man. <laughs> and I will tell you one thing. More <laughs> cigarettes are poisoned. That's medicine. <laughs> now, I don't Peter, drink a bottle of whiskey a night. And no. if you're doing that, please seek help. <laughs> yes. Now Peter was completely <laughs> very good. Now Peter was completely unnerved by the whole situation, but Glenn dismissed Sabina's behavior as just quirky, and he even seemed to like it a little. Hmm. But because Peter was uncomfortable, he just kind of left at midnight. Now Sabina stayed the huh. night without incident, and the next day, at Sabina's request, Glenn called his brother, who worked at a local hospital, to see if they could find Ursula. From what his brother said. Glenn was calm, and Sabina was talking in the background. At this point, Glenn's just thinking this woman's a little weird, but I'm going to help her out. And all that day, Glenn and Sabina just sort of hung around the house. And we have absolutely no idea what they did. I don't know. Okay. 
All Maybe we know, did some welding. I don't know. <laughs> all we know is that at 7.40 p.m., Glenn happily went next door to borrow some tea bags from his neighbor, a man named Frank Booth. Hmm, coincidence? <laughs> Glenn returned home with the tea bags in tow, but only minutes later, he staggered back outside, bleeding from his stomach, saying that Sabina had stabbed him. He collapsed to the ground, and his last words to Frank Booth were instructions to look after Glenn's dog. Sabina had sunk a kitchen knife into his stomach five times, and to this day, nobody knows why. Ooh, mama. While Frank Booth called 999, Sabina took off, inexplicably grabbing a small rubber mallet and stuffing a piece of roofing tile in her pocket on the way out the door. This sounds like me playing Disco Elysium. (laughs) Yeah, those are very strange objects to grab. She then wandered Glenn's neighborhood, thwacking herself in the head with the mallet until her hair was matted with blood. That scares the shit out of me. Yeah. (laughs) You do kind of have to think Looney Tunes, though. Get those little bumps up, push the bump up, bump bump goes up to the other side of the head. (laughs) (laughs) CCTV footage shows her looking confused and distressed, almost like she's looking for something, but doesn't know what she's looking for. She's had a full psychotic break. Eventually, a passing motorist pulled over and tried taking the mallet out of her hands. And when he tried to do so, she made noises of primitive rage and smashed the Good Samaritan in the head with the roof tile that she'd stashed in her pocket. Man, you didn't even know that shit's coming out. It's like fucking Bugs Bunny. The Looney yeah. Tunes again. Just like, bleep, bleep, oh, like so secondary weapon, equip. Whip, whip, whip. Did not expect that. Wow. Paramedics soon spotted Sabina, but when they gave chase, she dashed to a nearby bridge. And rather than being taken alive, she jumped 40 feet down into the A50 highway. But again, miraculously, Sabina's attempt to kill herself to escape capture failed, and she was what? found down below with two broken ankles and a fractured skull. Is she the freaking alien that starts out in the Men in Black movie that yeah. Will Smith is chasing? It's, Seriously, it's, it sounds it's like the T-1000. That's, this yeah. whole thing is species. What yeah, the it's, hell? It's wild, dude. She <laughs> really tried. And then I wonder, because I know that like psychotic breaks can, does involve like you can have adrenaline rush. It's kind yeah. of like having a, like being on PCP where th- these things can happen where you kind of can act in superhuman ways. But also the suicide attempt was like flip it. Like it was the cops were coming and she kind of just like randomly chose this idea of jumping off the bridge. And I don't think oh, it, this was a suicide attempt. I actually don't know if it was a suicide attempt. I think it was just fucking this this flea response yeah. that comes out of this syndrome where wow. she just needed to get away from anybody she viewed as someone that was attacking her this very acute paranoid breakdown and just decided that it's like when people just jump out of a window yeah. in a horror movie i'm starting to think they should have just shot her on the highway <laughs> Maybe the American cops are right in the long run. Well, I think that she, I think it was a suicide attempt because uh, with, on the highway, you know, they could have, if they were just trying to escape, they very easily could have just run off into the woods, but instead they ran into traffic yeah. where the danger huh. was. And this yeah. is the same thing. Like, I, I think there is something about like, I, they would rather die than be captured because their delusion has told them that what happens after they're captured is going to be worse than death. Damn. So Sabina was charged with murder, but every single question investigators asked was met with two infuriating little words. 
no comment. Over and over again, no comment, no comment, no comment. Meanwhile, Ursula had been released from the hospital herself. Uh Uh-oh. But instead of supporting her sister, Ursula just hauled ass out of England. She spent some time in Sweden, but eventually settled in Bellevue, Washington, where she apparently still lives to this day. Yeah, she's apparently a quiet member of a local church. What? She just lives her life. Yeah, quiet member of a Catholic church. Catholic church claimed on their uh, website in 2011 that Ursula had received the rights of scrutiny that supposedly delivered her from, quote, emptiness, illusions, and death-prone effects of evil. All right. Well, it's interesting she ended up at, she did end up at a Bellevue. Um, I was thinking it was more the hospital, but okay. What are the rights of scrutiny? I don't know. I looked. I tried to look up the rights of scrutiny, but I couldn't find what the rights of scrutiny are. Because there are many people. Well, one of the one of the dumber theories about this is that the Erickson twist sisters were uh, possessed by demons. That is very common in Theodil. And most of the other smaller cases that I was reading about in the various blurbs, the psychiatry article blurbs I was reading, is that it's often a religious phenomenon. More Mm. than, like, more often than not. So, Mm. Now, Sabina's trial was, to say the least, odd. Even though she was still saying no comment to every question asked, she pled guilty to manslaughter by reason of diminished responsibility. She admitted that she stabbed Glenn five times, but couldn't provide a reason why. And interestingly, both the prosecution and the defense argued the same thing, that Sabina was insane at the time of the killing, but sane at the time of the trial. Hey, but it's good to get okay. sane at some point, you know? Yeah, indeed. However, while they agreed on this view, they disagreed somewhat on the prognosis. The defense argued for folie à deux. Folie à deux. One more. Well, folie à folie à deux. The I'm more you do it, the pro- worse I, it's becoming, actually. It's really I, bizarre. Yeah, before any of you fucking people start ripping me apart, I practiced. We're Ben and Henry. We are Ben <laughs> and Henry. <laughs> we are with you. We're with you because I don't, because I hear it's the all the time but what are you gonna do all right we're not no. frenchies <laughs> no no the french great people yeah well they said the defense said that there had been a psychological blurring between ursula the primary and sabina the secondary which diminished her responsibility but they spent that whole time apart yeah right the prosecution but they said it was a uh, residual the the murder had happened. She was still in the throes of the madness for two when she yes. killed Glenn Hollinshead. She if was you, in reruns by the time she, she was, was out mm, stabbing yeah. Glenn. She was in syndication. Yes. Yeah. The prosecution, on the other hand, argued another French term. They said it was buffet de la ronde. Yeah, this bu- this bouffe de la ronde. It's like that's fucking these French criminologists come up with really fun, like unique ways because it sounds like a pastry, but I it's know. about well, murder. It does sound like a, even the English translation sounds like a pastry. Mm. A puff of madness. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I wish that would be the nice. That'd be a good challenge in Great British Bake Off. You could go and you make a, mm, a puff of madness, and sometimes it has berries in it, and sometimes it has. Is this a f- bullet? Whoa! <laughs> that's the madness. It's a puff of madness. Very difficult. On this, a person with no previous mental issues has a psychological break that lasts for a couple of weeks, but the person is not a long-term sufferer of mental illness, hence a puff of madness. I you guys see. save both of these things. These are important for the three of us. Right? <laughs> it's that these are terms that we need to remember and hold in our minds and save for a uh-huh. very opportune time when we are going to need to say, 
It was just a puff of madness. It was a puff of madness. Very, no. very quickly. If we can get two weeks of crazy, I'll no. take it. Absolutely. Sorry, we can't do it. All three of us have been diagnosed with actual mental illness, uh, so therefore we cannot be sufferers of puffs of madness. Fuck. We can Why only not? be su- we can only be sufferers Fuck of our this. existing mental illnesses. Fuck. And I don't believe that any of us are mentally ill. I think society has changed in a way that's not uh, conducive with what? how humans should be. You mean that we just simply that- have to fit into a mold that we should not be in? Maybe that's insanity. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> computers. We're not supposed to sit in computers our entire life. That's not, you don't have ADD. You're not supposed to be there. No, you're saying. Well, technically, we give. You're in, according to that logic, we're supposed to like die in war when we're 18. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, my grandmother had, uh, yeah, my grandmother had no access to computers, and yet bipolar disorder was still very much a problem. Hmm. Day and night. <laughs> Good and bad. Well, in other words, it seems like the, the, the prosecution of the defense were pretty much just arguing the same thing. So the court accepted the plea. In sentencing, the judge said that while he knew a light sentence would do nothing for the suffering of Glenn Hollingshead's family, a heavy sentence wouldn't accomplish much either. So Uh, Sabina Erickson was sentenced to five years in prison, served two, and was released in 2011. It is believed that she is reunited with her husband and children and now lives in Norway. Nice. This is where we need to have a little bit of middle ground because I do think a longer sentence might have helped when it comes to like society and making sure no one else was stabbed. But hey, hey, no, because hey, it wouldn't it's been... prevent anything. No, you don't no, think no, no, so? no. I mean, no. I think she's get... going to have another psychological break and we're going to be covering this in 15 years when we're still doing this show. No way. So are you saying she needs to be put away in a mental hospital for the rest of her life? I think she probably could have done another year and a half. It's already been <laughs> now close to 10 years since yeah. she's been released and she hasn't done anything crazy since. So okay. I'm certain it's done. Must have been a fun day for her husband to be like, all right, mom's coming home. Do we, ha- we hide the knives? According um, to her biological son, Simon, in his MySpace page, the family, um, this is all in the book because they, they reference his MySpace page all the time. Um, they In the family, they call this the car accident that they were involved wow. in. And they say that they, they his aunt Ursula oh. and his mom were in a car accident that got out of hand. Well, it was the, <laughs> the but they, they are really going over something well, big there. We'll see, because according to his MySpace page, uh-huh. she is not guilty of a single crime. She's and there is, there is a massive conspiracy happening. Right. Wow. Well, the thing is about a puff of madness is that a third of the people who go through it have a queef of sadness. Queef of sadness. A third of the people who go through these puffs have a relapse. And if Sabina gets back in touch with her sister, then there is a chance that a repeat of the madness of two could occur. So you just kind of keep them separate. Well, you just also proved my point. So that doesn't you prove very, your point at all. It's very possible she could snap at any time. So, we, you're, so, so, you're so, so you think that putting her in prison for another year and a half would no, prevent her? they don't do prison. They have mental health facilities. Don't they so, have ranches where people can go and run out their crazy? I just, maybe <laughs> at the very least, can we all agree she should just meet with a therapist once a week? Yeah, that's, I, think I, mean, she do, yeah. I think she probably that's does. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if she does. <laughs> we might help to have some kind of running coach or something. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> However... There are some who believe that this was not merely a puff of madness, <gasps> nor was it holy adieu. <laughs> 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 really? 
In fact, there are some who believe that this was not even a matter of psychosis in any way whatsoever. Get the case out. I want to open it up again. And then I want to close it. Wow. What they believe is that the Erickson sisters were activated MK Ultra agents who had escaped from an underground monarch mannequin lab. Because remember, yep. they were so worried about their organs being stolen, which is exactly what a generated life form, or GLF, would be worried about. They are clones. Oh. Furthermore, in the event that one of these life forms were to be captured, their program behavior is to self-terminate, which is why the sisters ran into traffic and why Sabina tried jumping off the bridge. Manchurian candidates, do not rip this tag off this mattress. Don't do that. It is also telling that Sabina Erickson killed a man who was former Royal Air Force, and it's likely that these people say that Sabina Erickson either killed him because of her shoddy treatment at the hands of the military or out of fear that he'd report her escape. Follow the money, see who benefits. Royal Re- Air Force, more like Boyle Air Force. There's not a lot of money involved, I don't think, here, but... You also see signs of these women possibly being artificially created beings. Robots, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Androids, and, for a more appropriate term, Marcus, I'm sorry to correct you. Where you see this in the immense strength that they showed while cops attempted to capture them. And you see it in their seeming inability to die. Bionic Swedes coming to our highways, <laughs> making it difficult to get to work. <laughs> and while you might say, oh, if these women in escape were escape MK Ultra agents, then why is all this allowed on television? I'd right. say to you that it is merely a demonstration of power by the their controllers in this demonstration might even have been the point of the entire incident the power of the puppet masters is so complete and totally all-encompassing that they will show you the strings purposely so that you know there is in fact a stage in which you were dancing upon as a very urgent huh. email to the BBC said, imagine a massive army of these women able wow. to survive serious injuries and still fight programmable blonde Terminators who are unstoppable and unkillable. I'm and hard as hell thinking about it, and I love every minute of it. That's just Fembots from Austin Powers. In the words of the email, I suggest you wake up on this big time. Yeah, set the alarm, buddy. It's morning. We need to investigate, and if there's anyone listening who works for the BBC, we join this email author's constant urging to investigate what could be the end of civilization as we know it. We can't let the blondes win. We beat them in 1945, and we gotta (laughs) beat them again. So you're saying they should still be in jail. (laughs) Is that what's going on? No, we're saying that they should still be in the underground labs. Yeah, they're clones. They're robot clones. Honestly, isn't that what kind of us is kind of about that, isn't it? The movie. Yes. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Well, we learned a lot today. Awesome. (laughs) I loved it. Wow. The sisters, Erickson. It's just nice to have family. And I think that's really what this was all about. Indeed. If you can't commit a series of crimes outside of your family, it's nice to bring it home. Because, again, we're all in quarantine. And this is a perfect time to plot a very uh, articulated and almost uh, undescribable level of conspiracy that you are involved of is in a family. This is ripe for it. And I say this Christmas is the time for your family to plan their assault on the neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily a good it's idea. The there. For for, this is the season for plotting. If, if assault, you mean do some Christmas caroling from a nice distance. <laughs> you said I couldn't do my Christmas caroling. You should do Christmas caroling because you, you're, oh no, you have evil intention. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever think that you and Carolina could go so desperately mad that you'd commit a series of crimes together or is your love not strong enough, Marcus? 
<laughs> a series of crimes. Uh, let me put that back on you. Do you think you and Natalie could commit a series of crimes? They can't even go hiking. We got to <laughs> renew our vows at some point. No, honestly, you're the you and Carolina are the only two physically fit as a duo enough to commit a series of crimes, Marcus. Yeah, both of us together. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, we can run, uh, we can hike, we can hide, and we own a Subaru Outback, which <laughs> means that we can escape. Uh, <laughs> we can probably escape under the radar just a tiny bit. No one's paying attention to a Subaru Outback. Nobody thinks that the guy in the Subaru Outback <clears throat> is committing any crimes. You know why? I because do. a Subaru Outback is a sensible car for a sensible person. But sometimes <sighs> the world drives sensible people to do insensible things. Absolutely. <laughs> Good grief. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Uh, a wonderful little story that uh, we did it again. And we are coming light. back. We're coming back hard this year because it's Christmas. And that means, it, you know, it sucks. But we got different. We got some great shit coming Christmas down the pipe. This is kind of nice. It's fine. Yeah. But we're going to be taking, we might be taking a quick visit. Oh, wished. And also, um, <laughs> next week, we've got a big old Mama Jama cult that we're going to be covering. Very excited. It's been, okay. in the, it's been in the old box for a long time. And then we're going to cover a person that we, I've been excited to cover for years. Uh-oh. And we're getting deep down into the gluteal cleft of that story very, very soon. Wow. Mm-hmm. A lot of good shit re- coming down the pipe. Yep, it's a return to uh, a subject that we covered many, 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 many years ago, but another one of those that we covered when we had no idea what we were doing. So Absolutely. we're going to be covering it in full, giving it the proper treatment. So yeah. I hope all of you are ready for another series on 9-11. Yay! How fun is that one? Yay! The series that broke me! Yay! They should not. Uh, okay, well, uh, just wonderful things here, folks. Uh, we oh, really are all doing stuff. very good. Um, check out last podcast merch for all of your merch needs this Christmas. Try to put clothes on your family. Yeah. Um, I guess you can do it with us. And honestly, uh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, have a nice time with your family. And remember, we're. Om- I'm actually because you know the vaccine and stuff like that is coming out. Now that we want to talk about it too much, but I'm all. I'm starting to just lean in. Let's enjoy it while we can because we're going to get busy again, people. We're get it's very going busy. to happen. I mm-hmm. promise you. So uh, let's. I don't know. We've got. We've made it this freaking far. So let's just lean in, yeah. and we'll enjoy ourselves uh, for now, and then. And soft we'll, pants soft can't pants. lose. And we hope everyone is doing as well as they can out there in these unbelievably difficult times, especially if you have a, a business or if you're in the service industry. You know, um, you know, we I think about you all the right time. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So and, uh, just uh, everybody's suffering out there. It's it's a yeah. brutal, brutal time. We're going to do our best. But nice thing is the uh, wealthy people are getting more money. That's always nice. <laughs> so that's very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ha- hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Again. Magustalations. Hail me. Hail me, you a bitch. You know. Sounds like you're already out west. Help me up. Yeah, it. Bitches up and on heels. Why did you become this person? I don't know. Okay. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. 
Learn more at funturns50.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod.